Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I am excited to, uh, to talk to our next guest because we go back uh, four or five years now, I guess it is. Uh, Tristan Cromer, grasshopperherder.com, has uh, been in the space in Lean Startup for longer than I have been and uh, has been doing this all over the world. So welcome, Tristan, to our show. Thanks, Brian. It's good to speak to you again. Uh, it's pity, pity we're not face-to-face again, but I'll have to visit Nebraska again at some point. You're welcome anytime. Uh, before we get started, why don't we go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the things you've been working on in the last few years. Okay, so I come from the music industry originally, spent 10 years there, spent five years in IT security, and uh, about six, seven years ago, I moved to Silicon Valley and got heavily involved in kind of innovation as its own sector. Um, and got heavily involved in the lean startup movement relatively early on before there was a book. Um, Working with various different accelerator programs um, like the Tech VA program out of Mexico and of course with uh, Luxor where I met you originally, Brian, where we were helping various different accelerator programs including 500 Startups and uh, Singularity University, White House Innovation Fellows and and Edmotion of course. So last few years, I've been spending a lot more time with uh, kind of what I would call ecosystems. So not just startups, but trying to understand what are the circumstances where startups thrive, uh, what are the various different obstacles that stop them. And when we talk about ecosystems, we're generally talking about either kind of regions, like uh, government scale, so California, Nebraska, Lincoln, uh, but also Vietnam, Norway, um, Egypt. How can those governments and those ecosystems thrive and and, uh, adapt more to this ever-changing environment? But also large corporations who are just have 400,000 people. 40,000 people, something that's large enough where they really can't treat themselves as a startup, but they can treat themselves as an ecosystem and try and you know adjust the rules in which people live in so that startups within them can thrive and prosper. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, what are some of the things that you're seeing with regard to, I mean, the ecosystem play is very different, and I would imagine some of the lean startup principles not apply and some of them don't. What are some of the key things that you're seeing? I think most of the things do apply. Uh, a lot of the patterns that we see kind of on the, on the regional level are very, very similar to the patterns that we see larger corporations facing. They just have different language for them. Right? So, you know, maybe three, four, four years ago in, in Estonia, for example, um, there, the startup scene was, was still really starting to get get going, but they didn't have a whole lot of investors available, especially investors who had a little bit of know-how and knew how to invest in tech startups. So you had people coming from the real estate side going to startups and saying, hey, I'll give you $60,000 and I'll take 60% of your company, which is something that could immediately kill the cap table of, of any company and make it impossible for them to proceed or ever raise any more money. Right? And 
And that's something that's, that's very particular to startups in emerging, emerging economies specifically, where there just aren't a lot of technology investors. Now, in a larger corporation, you see the exact same sort of thing, but we call them business sponsors, right? And they're, they're asking for the exact same things. They're asking for four-year business plans. They're asking for net present value. And they're, they're not understanding what are the right metrics to invest in. They, they don't know how to evaluate a project where it is potentially disruptive or, or understand how to perhaps not invest $5 million in a four-year business plan, but maybe just invest $50,000 to get some information about the market, to just see if it's worth investing the other 450000 Are you seeing folks um, kind of coming to the lean startup as, uh, from different angles, or, or how, do you, how do you see people like, <laughs> coming to this particular space as a potential tool to help solve some of these problems? You know, I, I think we probably see the exact same thing. It's like they, most people come to Lean Startup like via the Gartner hype cycle. So it's <laughs> kind of like, oh, Lean Startup, this will solve everything. Um, you know, they just expect that Lean Startup is going to allow any project to succeed, um, which it really doesn't. It just allows you to figure out which projects are going to succeed or fail faster. Um, so it reduces the cost of innovation rather than radically changing the fortunes of every single project. So what are some of the things that you've seen as far as changes uh, in the thoughts around Lean Startup over the years? Well, I mean, we are still going through that hype cycle. Um, and obviously, in, in different parts of the world, we're, we're proceeding along at where we're understanding more about lean startup at different rates. Mm -hmm. I think that there's much more awareness now, especially among the thought leaders, that there is no one set way, that lean startup is more of a philosophy rather than a specific methodology, where it's like, okay, first we talk to customers, then we do a paper prototype, then we run a landing page test. You know, it's, it's not like that. that different tactics and tools apply at different points in time and we need to have kind of as carpenters we have to have a really nice toolbox and we have to consider even making our own tools when when we can't find one that fits right right and that plays into the fact that a lot of people think it's uh, at least initially they think it's a one and done it's like well if I use this and I go through these steps then I won't have to do that again versus like you said it's a philosophy or a lifestyle choice where it's like uh, now I've run these experiments I need to run more and, and it's just yeah. a never ever evolving process yeah absolutely and and I, I think you you were really good evidence of that even at, at in motion when we first met um, it's not possible to simply copy Y Combinator in Lincoln Nebraska I mean you had a very different setup and you had almost a different value proposition as an accelerator program where you were providing developers in some cases to the um, to the startups because they simply didn't have it yep Right. That's something that would be very weird and perhaps uh, even a, a deal killer right away in Silicon Valley, but it makes a huge amount of sense in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that's part of the process that has attracted uh, other folks to work with our ecosystem is the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's a constant experimentation and each year is a little bit different based on the, the changing competitive landscape, the, the growing ecosystem and the knowledge base of the, the mentors that you bring into the, the space as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, 
uh, that's perhaps a, one of the things which I think is the most relevant in terms of like kind of worldwide change is I, I think a lot of the accelerator programs that have cropped up in that past five years and you know, when we went from like 10 accelerator programs to 50 and to a thousand yeah uh, I think a lot of those accelerator programs that aren't applying those lean principles to themselves uh, are dying frankly so we're, we're getting rid of a lot of the uh, the, the bad apples so you've done a work, a lot of work, both in the United States uh, and in you know kind of smaller ecosystems as well as now internationally. Are you seeing any different trends or different ways uh, different folks are approaching or using these methodologies to better or worse uh, results? Yeah, um, I mean, again, I, I think the the better ecosystems or the better accelerators are bringing really bringing the knowledge to a new level. I mean. So I, I spend a lot of time volunteering for the Lean Startup Circle or Lean Startup Meetups around the world. And you hear these just amazing stories of entrepreneurs being scrappy and clever from everywhere, from Ramallah to Dublin to Beijing. Um, and I think that it's those stories that are really advancing the methodology more than anything that's happening in Silicon Valley. And, and a lot of the cooler stuff is happening outside of Silicon Valley, frankly. Right. Whereas here, it's, it's a little bit navel-gazing and, you know, people uh, building buttons to make people happy about pushing other buttons. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're using Lean Startup in different verticals like biotech and... Uh, nonprofit spaces in ed tech in Africa, and you know these great ways of leveraging lean thinking and new technologies to solve real world problems, like how do you educate people via a mobile phone? You know that's 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 really significant, and and the tactics that they're using and the way that they're modifying those those ideas that largely initially came from Silicon Valley are are, are what's to say awesome. Mm-hmm. What are some of the struggles that you see? Uh, at, like if I'm uh, talking to a person new to the, the whole lean arena, what are some of the early pitfalls you should recommend they try to avoid in this process? Okay, so just uh, so any team, corporate or, or pure startup, um, just for the record, I again, I consider corporate startups are still startups, so they have the same, same problems, same issues. Um, the two biggest mistakes I always see are, number one, not having a learning goal. That is far and away the biggest thing. Like you can go to any startup and uh, so I have, I have regular office hours. Uh, so any, any startup or anybody really anywhere in the world can call me up in certain hours and I'll just take any calls and answer any questions. And the first thing I always ask them is like, well, what would you like to most achieve in this call? What are you trying to learn? And then, of course, what are you trying to learn about your business model? Mm -hmm. And it is shocking the amount of them who have no idea. Mm -hmm. They have no idea why they're calling. They have no idea why they're doing anything. They're just, they're building things. They're building landing pages because they read an article somewhere that said Dropbox got put up a landing page and put up a video and eventually were accepted into Y Dominator and made a lot of money, right? And that's not a good reason for doing things like Dropbox needed to know if people if there was sufficient market demand to warrant building a complex technological solution right that's why they put up a value proposition test or a smoke test like they did mm-hmm. um, based on the question that you have about your business model who who is my customer who are my users 
what is the value proposition? How should I phrase the value proposition? What is my revenue stream? Like, how, how can I charge? Should I bill per month? Should I bill per week? Should I bill at a fixed cost? All of those questions are essentially learning goals. And if you can phrase your risks as a question, there is a way to answer that question. <laughs> there is a experimental or research method that you can use. But if you don't know what the question is, and you're just doing stuff you read in a book, you're probably going to get data that is going to lead you in the wrong direction, that's going to be indeterminate, it's going to be ambiguous, you're not going to understand it, you're going to wind up with a false positive or a false negative, like throwing up a landing page with your value proposition, you'll get a conversion rate of 0% for your awesome shoes that allow you to run very quickly in the snow. And you're going to think, oh, this is a terrible idea. But without realizing that wow, maybe I need to focus in on my channels a little bit more. Maybe advertising to the Google AdWord of running shoes is getting me people sitting in the Bahamas looking for running shoes who have no interest in shoes that allow you to run very quickly in the snow. Right. Uh, so, so that's number one. And the number two thing would be like based on that question that you have is just using the wrong tool. Um, those two things just comprise 90% of the issues I see startups having. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that we're seeing a lot, quite frankly, is is they, they start using the tools inaccurately from the standpoint of they'll go out and do customer validation interviews, for example, and, and lead with the the solution, uh, you know, and trying to kind of prove that they're right versus trying to really understand what the problem is they're trying to solve and, and get the feedback from the marketplace that way. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's actually my number three. So that's like using the tool wrong. <laughs> right. So, so I guess the difference that's important for people to recognize is there's like using the wrong tool and there's using the tool wrong. Um, you know, sometimes customer discovery interviews are fantastic. I mean, it's probably one of the most useful tools that is almost certainly useful for everyone. But if your startup was dealing with something like, uh, you know, nutrition levels in the United States, then going out and doing a customer discovery interview and asking somebody like, hey, have you had enough vitamin E today? Is probably not going to be a fruitful discussion. Like, people don't know that. People don't understand that. Right. Uh, I don't know what my vitamin C levels are today. Probably high. Uh, I don't know. I ate an orange today. Well, and they're not trying to solve the vitamin C problem. <laughs> exactly, right? I'm trying to solve scurvy. Yeah. Um, so, right, so there's using the wrong tool, uh, and then there's using the tool wrong, which is like just asking poor questions, like leading questions, and uh, you know, asking the wrong people, framing the conversation incorrectly. God, I mean, you could go on and on and on. I know people who have been working on, like, uh, there was some guy who was working on a sexual birch box, so like a monthly <laughs> subscription for... You know, things like condoms and uh, STD tests and so on and so forth to make sure that people are healthy. And, you know, there's one where obviously, like, you can't do the customer discovery like you would with everything else. Like, talking about STDs is just not a conversation you want to have with a random person on the street. Um, but it's a real problem that he was genuinely passionate about solving. So he kind of hacked away at it until he figured out how to make it work. Anyway. That's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. So the, the, the last thing I want to talk about is I uh, hear you're uh, working on a new open source book. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that whole project's about and how people can get involved? Yeah, so that's something that's coming very much, uh, very much from this topic um, in that there are so many different tools 
so many different tools available, and we need to understand what to use when. So uh, there's about 40 different authors and lean practitioners from around the world who are all participating in trying to compile a list of all what are all those different techniques: customer discovery, uh, ethnography usability testing, paper prototyping, Wizard of Oz testing, picnic in the graveyard. What are all those different tools and when is it best to use them? What questions do those help to answer? Now, it's not a step one, step two, step three book, so I actually would not recommend it to you if you're new to Lean. Uh, but if you understand Lean and you understand there are a lot of different <laughs> ways and tools you, you'd like to know how to use and know which to use when, then this is a really good book to kind of see what you're see what your menu is. It's kind of like a cookbook where you can go in, figure out what you want to eat tonight, and then, then you'll have a good reference of all the different possibilities for, for dinner time. Right. You can pull out a recipe card and, and go to work. Exactly. It's not a complete uh, how-to book, but it does. Um, uh, it's more like it's actually named after the real book, which is a, a music book of charts for jazz musicians that give you just enough information to know how to play that song, like just the melody, the time signature, and that's it. And if you want to know the details, there are lots of other good books about usability testing. Like if you want to know about how to do a customer discovery interview, please go read The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. That's just such a good book. Um, but if you just need a list of all the tools, then uh, you can go download the real book. It's being written kind of on the fly. It's compiled nightly by a script. And so we're always making modifications to it in our little Google Docs format. And uh, if you even come up with something and you come up with a, a new type of test that you think is a little bit different and would help other entrepreneurs somewhere else in the world, then please uh, email me, you know, send me something. Um, my blog is over at grasshopperherder.com. You can download the book from there. Or you can go to tricrotrikro.com and you can download the book there as well. And uh, I've got an email form that you can contact me if you have anything that you want to share with other entrepreneurs. It's totally open source. Um, so please let us know about other tips and tricks that can make somebody else's life a little bit easier. That's awesome. And we'll definitely check it out and we'll put a link to it in the uh, show notes of the show. So. Tristan, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we look forward to uh, crossing paths here again soon, and uh, have a great day. Great. Thanks, Brian. See you soon. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out and let us know uh, what you're thinking. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at the IO Podcast. And if you have 30 seconds to spare, please, we'd love to hear from you on iTunes as well. Go over there, review us, uh, give us uh, an opportunity to uh, earn your trust and business, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Till next time, go out and innovate.